So we just got through the uh, uh, Parshat Noach, the, uh, uh, the portion of Noah. And it kind of speaks of the end of the world. And as I said, as we started the service, it, it says in that, in that portion, uh, the time for the end of all flesh is at hand. And um, people around here know that I'm not an end times preacher. Um, I'm not one to look at the news and look at things that the government may or may not be doing that's going to bring in the new world order. and That's just not where my head is. And people here know that. Um, not that I will fault anybody if that's where their heads are, but that's not where I am. Uh, I'm just kind of a day-to-day -day guy, and Adonai's going to do what he's going to do. And then we go to sleep, and the next day he's just going to do what he does. Whether or not I have the eye on what the government may or may not be doing. The government. So anyway, that's just me. Today, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be an end times preacher tomorrow. Because I, I look at uh, Noah, and when it says the end of all flesh is at hand, I do know there's going to be a time that the end of all flesh will be at hand. And Adonai is going to, he's going to take care of business in this world, and there's going to be a time of tribulation like there was in the flood, though it won't be the flood. And he's going to do this. Um, and the end of all flesh will come at hand. Maybe at some point I will be an end times preacher. Um, if it starts raining, maybe I'll become one. <laughs> you know what? But he said he's not going to flood the earth. Uh, but one thing about uh, Noah that did speak to me, it said that in the 601st year, the waters receded. On the first day of the first month of the 601st year, the waters receded. And uh, that always that speaks to me because I've always felt that uh, creation will be 6,000 years and we're going to go into a thousand year uh, period, a millennial period of peace, of the flood waters receding. And that's the, the messianic age or uh, that's called in Judaism, the messianic era, a thousand year period. Messiah will reign on earth. The, the, the wolf and the lamb will lay down with each other. You know, swords will be in the plowshares, and all these things will be fulfilled in this thousand-year time of peace. So you have 6,000 years of work and a thousand year of peace, and it relates to the six days of creation, and the seventh is Shabbat. So the 7,000th year is like a thousand-year Shabbat. Does that make sense? Yeah. So then, like, in Noah, it's amazing that it says that the waters receded in the 600th year, because that's the beginning of the seventh century. Right in the beginning of the seventh century, is when the flood waters receded. And I think that's a foreshadow of this thing, that it's a 6,000-year time of us working, and then at the end of that, there will be this time of, of peace that the Lord is going to bring in. And that's the 601st year of Noah's life, by the way. It's not 601st year of, of creation, but still, it does speak to me that way. But I'm not here today to talk about end-time stuff. At least I don't think so. So um, I'm here to talk about what... Uh, a lot of people may consider Baldrears an F word. To some, it would be a real blessing, this word is, a, is an incredible blessing. Uh, in fact, one of the, the greatest blessings that human life has to offer. To others, it's kind of an F word. And that F word is family. Now, I'm talking about, like, family of origin, birth family. Because everybody kind of loves their kids, and, you know, and their husband and wife and all that kind of stuff, and the second family that they get into. But, like, the first family experience, right, the, the family of origin, the birth family, like, some people, it's an it's amazing experience. 
right? Like some people, like they just think they, 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 as if they grow older, their relationship with their like their mom and their dad is very strong, or their relationship with their siblings is very strong, and even as adults, they'll they'll want to get together like every weekend. And I look at that, I'm like, man, who is that? Is that real? Because like some people like come from a when you when you think about your birth family, it's, it's sometimes there's dysfunction there. And and it, it it shapes us in a lot of ways. Like I don't think there's much of, of life that shapes us as as strongly as our experience in our birth family, our family of origin. Like if it's a dysfunctional environment in some way, or you know where there's not love and nurturing, we may enter into our adult life afraid to enter into relationship, and that kind of flows into our adult life. If we come from a from an environment that's very nurturing and very loving, we may just embrace people and, 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 and are not afraid to enter into relationship. You know? And it's, it just depends on the individual. You all come from this environment. You know, it's, it's, it's so, sometimes I, I, it's amazing how some people, they just love their birth family, they get together, sisters get together all the time. Susie loves to get together with her sisters. But me and my sister, we never talk. You know, and, and just even the relationships with the parents. Like, I, I just, my relationship right now with my mother is kind of, it's, it's, let me just say it has to be bounded. It has to have boundaries because there's some unsafeness there, you know, um, and it's just, it's just not whole. And there'll be a time, I think, for all of us that come from, you know, homes that are a little more dysfunctional, like that reconciliation will happen, but it may happen on the other side of the kingdom. Like, we may be, like, sitting under the olive tree in that millennial time, you know, kind of drinking a beer with our dads and saying, you know, Baruch Hashem, Adonai restored all things. Or a glass of wine or something like that. Or, well, not wine, maybe grape juice. <laughs> but in the kingdom, the wine won't get you drunk, so it'll be okay. That's not a theological statement, by the way. So, um... Yeah, so anyway, so we, we come out of our, our birth family experiences, and, and that molds us, you know, and then we accept the Lord, and we think we're just born again into a relationship with God, with the God of heaven and earth, and now it's just us and him. Hallelujah, I don't have to deal with anybody. <laughs> It's just me and the Lord. But what we can't escape is that when we accept the Lord, we're not just coming into a personal relationship. I got some bad news for you. You're coming into a family. And it's, it's, it's part of being born again, because we're the, our first birth, we're obviously born into a family. And I believe that, that the fact that once we leave our mothers and fathers and get married and have like another family is like a foreshadow of the second family that we come into that happens when we accept the Lord because the Lord, even in of himself, is father and son. So like even in God, in, in the essence of who God is, there's family. There's father and son. So family must be really important to God if there's family within his nature. I don't know who the Ruach is. Maybe it's the house cleaner or something. Or, 
The mother, okay. Yeah, you got the, the ruach must be the spirit must be feminine in some way, right? The mother, okay. Um, so, but anyway, so so God in, in his essence, in his nature, in the nature of his oneness, there's family, right? There's father and son. And not only that, when we enter into relationship with God, as we kind of see in this Torah portion, we enter into the family of Abraham. Whether we know it or not. And people love it. Hallelujah, I'm in relationship with Abraham. I'm a son, I'm a daughter of Abraham. You know, but at that level, it remains kind of distant. Kind of like, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm a son, I'm a daughter of Abraham. Great. But what does that mean on a day-to-day -day life? That it, it just, it's kind of an a, a esoteric thing. It's a spiritual thing. Okay, I'm a son of Abraham. And it, what it really means is that all the blessings that God promised to Abraham come to you. So when God says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. I mean, New Testament in various places is very, very specific that anybody that accepts the Lord is grafted into the family of Abraham and the blessings of Abraham come to you. So we do, and rightfully, we will look at Israel and the Jewish people and even the Jewish people that don't yet believe in Yeshua, the Messiah, but those are the sons of Abraham, and we're grafted into Judaism in that way, and that is, that is very true. But even outside of that, you get the blessings of Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. It doesn't just mean the nation of Israel, the physical land. It means you. And there's many places in the New Testament, many, that speak to that that the blessings of Abraham come to you and to his seed, and the seed is Messiah, and he lives within you, so you get the blessing. But even with that, it's like, okay, great, because I don't mind getting any blessings. That's all good. But what does that have to do with family? Like, where, where's the family dynamic? So then all of a sudden, we're, we're, we enter into our relationship with the Lord, and the Lord kind of instructs us to find a congregation because don't forsake the assembly. And now we're dealing with humans again, and all of a sudden, now it's like the family dynamic starts to manifest again. I mean, I tell people, visitors that come to Mishkan David, I tell them that when you come to Mishkan David, you're not entering a congregation, you're entering a family. And that should make you want to run like hell. <laughs> Because if you thought your birth family was nuts, <laughs> we are wacko. Mishvitz. Mishvitz. We are the island of Mishvit toy. Mishvit toys. So when you come in, you, you enter into a family environment. And not everybody wants that. When Susie and I first came to Mishkan, we had no interest in joining a family. We wanted a congregation that we can go and worship the Lord and kind of watch Rabbi Peter do all these crazy things. We'll sit right over there with our popcorn. Oh, what's Rabbi Peter going to talk about today? Oh, he's going pretty nuts today, isn't he? Oh, look at him jump around. <laughs> it was like watching a movie. We didn't want relationships. We wanted the, just the congregation, you know? Just, the, just 
oh, 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 who's getting healed today? Who's getting saved today? Who's getting, who's getting, who's getting redeemed today? Who's getting set free today? Oh, look, look, look what's happening. Oh, look who we brought up to the front. Susie, look, look, look. <laughs> Eating our popcorn. But then it was time for after-service fellowship, and Susie were like, time to go. <laughs> And then we were ordained to be rabbi and rabbits into this place, and now we can't avoid you guys. Now we can't avoid family. Which was always here, but, and, and some people are like that. A lot of people are like that. A lot of people want to come to a congregation just so they can kind of have a congregation, and then they go back to their lives, you know, like they're just fulfilling some sort of religious, you know, instruction to kind of go congregate. Okay, I did that, now back to my life. You know, and then, but then the, the intersection of, of people, the, the family dynamic doesn't really manifest because they're out of there, you know, and that's why you get people that come here and they love it, and then you never see them again. And that is okay. I will never, ever force people to come here. I've learned, so I've learned that the, the ticket out of this place is when somebody comes to me and says, I love it here. I'm coming back next week. Oh, Baruch Hashem. Never see him. <laughs> you know, this is, this, is why, this is why Yeshua said, don't, don't make any vows to anybody. Just let your yes be yes, let your no be no. This is why we don't have membership here. Right? And, you know, and there's a lot of congregations that have membership, but I, and, you know, and God bless them. And maybe one day we'll have, I have no idea, because again, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, so I'll never say I'll never do anything, right? But um, I, I don't understand congregational membership. What am I doing? What does that mean? you got to sign a paper, I commit to coming here three out of four Sabbaths in a row. I, I don't understand what membership means. I, I commit to giving 10% of my income? Are you kidding me? You come when you want to come. You leave when you want to leave. You give what you want to give. You receive what you receive. I, I just don't understand putting somebody's signature on a piece of paper. Like, I'm now a member. I don't even understand what that means. I don't get it. Like, I, you know, it, it almost, to me, it almost seems to go against when Yeshua said, don't make vows. Right. Now I'm going to have people make a vow to the congregation? Right. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. Maybe I will. <laughs> Maybe I will one day. I don't know. You know, maybe the Lord is going to say, you need people to sign their papers so they can come here every week, and they're going to put their signature so you can wave it in their face when they don't come. I don't know. <laughs> Elena's cracking up. I think his English is really good. This whole thing is a farce. Okay. Um, so where am I going with this? So anyway, we come to the congregation. We come to Mishkan David. You're not entering into a congregation. You're entering into a family. Okay? And... I'll tell you one thing. Okay, a year ago, I after the high holidays, I transitioned into the year anniversary of me being the rabbi of all you mishpits, right? And I got very nostalgic, and I kind of went over like how I was feeling the last year and things like that. Well, I transitioned again, so now I'm in like the third year. I'm, I've, I've crossed over this year two, and I'm in the third year of being the rabbi of the mishpits. And again, I get nostalgic, and I think, like, what keeps me coming back? Like, what is it about this place? And I have to say, as somebody who struggles with family, 
as somebody who, like, you know, I'm an introvert to the core. You know, I'll stay home by myself all day, every day. What brings me back? It's the family environment here that keeps me coming back because I've never experienced it like this anywhere else. And I want to talk about that not from the place of like, oh, we get along. I'm not saying that we're always there for each other. Doris was in the hospital a couple weeks ago. I had no idea. So it's not like we're, we're, not like we're great at like, okay, somebody's in trouble and we rush. You know, it's not like we're great at it. We can do better at that. You know, we, we, we put Judy in charge of the benevolence ministry. So if there's a need, you know, it kind of comes to Judy and she can reach out to people and say, okay, this person needs some visitation or this person needs food. You know, because it's, it's rough. You know, a lot of us work. And nobody's on staff here, by the way. You know, at Michigan. we're all a volunteer army here at Michigan to be. Um, nobody's getting paid for nothing. Um, so anyway, um, so it's, it's not the, it's not just that we get along, that's the family environment that I just love here so much. It's not that we're just always here for each other and all that kind of stuff that, which is all great and it does happen, but I just want to share about family and Mishkan that keeps me coming back. Um, it says in, um, it says in Hebrews, Two, I think, or is it Peter? I don't, first Peter. Anyway, it says that we are living stones. We are living stones in the house of God. I think it's first Peter. Oh, and there's this one other thing about family that proves that we are literally family. You know, because there's like, there's, 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 a, there's a, 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 like a Christian or a religious tradition to call each other brother and sister and brother from another mother and sister from the same mister. <laughs> Those are really cool. It happens to be extremely biblical. There's a, a point, and again, I think it's in Peter, or, I, uh, Hebrews, Donut. <laughs> that, um, that it says, um, it says, he who sanctifies, that's Yeshua, he who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified all have one father. This is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. So, God is our father, and Yeshua is our brother, and we can't avoid it. It's biblical. And we are all brothers and sisters of the same father, and we can't avoid it. That's Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. Thank you. I knew it was one of the Hebrews. I knew it was Hebrews. And the other one is, is Peter that I was talking about, the living stones. So let me go back to living stones. It says that we are living stones in the build, building up the house of God. Living stones. So I, I ask myself, like, what is it about this family environment? How can I describe the family environment that I just love so much here at Mishkan David that keeps me coming back? And what comes to me is that verse that we, you, me, Sue, everyone here are living stones. So what is a living stone? 
Like, what does it look like? How, what is it? So, well, what is a stone? You know, a stone, it's not a tissue box, but it can be shaped like this, like a brick. You know what I mean? So you can have like a stone is like that. You know, and a congregation can be built like that. And I think religion does that because ultimately we are all shaped, colored differently. And stones are really like that. In fact, in scripture, when it talks about building altars in the Torah, it says always use uncut stones. Because that is a foreshadow of us. Because each uncut stone is kind of unique and is very unique in and of itself. Right? So I think what religion does, it'll take stones and turn it into this. And they'll take another stone and it'll turn it into this. And then it'll have you sign the membership paper. So even if you look like this. Yeah, you could be like this, but when you come into this place, you better be this. Right? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's kind of what religion does. It'll take living stones and kind of turn it into bricks, right? But, 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 but we are living stones. So what is a living stone? Like if a living stone is shaped in a certain way, Let's take, take, picture any stone, you know, anything. Let's say it's shaped like this, you know? Like, what is a living stone versus a regular stone? A living stone is alive. So what does it mean when a stone is alive? It's, it's expanding, it's contracting, it's breathing. You got a stone? <laughs> Perfect, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's shiny. It's, it's got so many colors. It's so colorful. It's, it's pointy on some edges, but smooth on others. But here's, here's the thing. This stone, I can go back whenever this stone actually, I don't know, popped off some mountain somewhere some time ago. It probably looked just like this. Because stones don't really evolve. Stones don't really grow and expand. They just kind of are they what they are. That's why you can find fossils from like so, so long ago that look exactly the same as they did back then. But stone, living stones pulsate. They grow. They shift. They, they move. They, they expand. They contract. You know, they evolve. They learn. And the, 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 the concept of the living stone that each of you are is an amazing, divine process. So how do you, how do you get a bunch of living stones together that build up a, a building when each one is kind of moving? And expanding, it doesn't make sense. And that's another thing religion will do. It'll take uncut stones, but it'll put it all together with mortar so they can't move. Right? So yeah, they're all uniquely created, but you're all locked together. You can't move. But we don't do that. So like, how does a, a building made of living stones that's breathing and, you know, how does that building get created? It seems to be an unstable thing. It's a divine work of family. It's a divine work of family that builds a building of stones that can expand and contract and grow and shrink and leave and come back. It's a divine thing. Within the word stone is also the nature of God. Because in the word stone, the Hebrew word for stone is eben. The first syllable is the Hebrew word for father, av. The second syllable is the Hebrew word for son. Ben. 
So in the word stone, you have, it means father, son. In the word stone. So that same nature of God that we spoke about, that family nature of God, is in each living stone. So we're each a stone in a family. It's part of your nature as a living stone. Father, son, Eben. So the concept of the stones expanding and growing is what brings me back. I just I wish he was here today. Do we know Bobby? Yeah. I'm going to talk about him behind his yeah. back. Bobby has struggled with a lot of things in his life. That's right. A lot of things. You know, and I talk to him a lot. And he's been in and out of various hospitals, and I'm not going to get too deep because Bobby's not here. But I know he's open about these things and his struggles. At Sukkot, he gave a class. He called me up because I opened it up to people who wanted to teach a class at Sukkot. And he said, I want to teach about the second coming of Jesus, the second coming of the Lord. And I called him up just to find out more about it. You know, and it's, it's the second coming of the Lord is kind of wrought in a little bit of mystery. That's why you have like, you know, dispensationalists and you have, you know, people that believe in raptures and, and people that don't believe in raptures and you have pre-trib and post-trib and a-trib and, you know, this trib and that trib and, you know, all these different ways of thinking of the end times and how it's all going to, and nobody agrees with anybody. So there is mystery there. So I was wondering how he was going to do it. Bobby gets up there. He spends the first half hour of this class giving a testimony, and not a dark testimony, a testimony filled with light of what the Lord did in his life. And then when it came to came down to him speaking about the end times and the second coming of Jesus, he opened up the book of Matthew, the portion in Matthew, which talks about like two will be there and you know one will be washing their clothes or whatever, and one's going to be taken, one's going to be left behind. He didn't say anything about it. He read it. He just read the scripture, that read the whole chapter, beginning to end, and opened it up for discussion. And, there, and people were sharing this, this lively conversation about it, and he allowed everybody to have their peace. He said, that's a good point. You next. The, ma the maturity and, and the, the growth that I see in Bobby is why I come back. Because we see somebody, and let's say they look like this, and to you, this means they're either sinful or broken or sick or in need of help, if that's the way it was at the time that the living stone looks like this, we wouldn't be a living stone. But we are always in this process of growing and expanding and contracting and reshaping and twisting and turning. And what you see today in any of us as living stones is not what we're going to see tomorrow. We might if we were regular stones, but we are living stones. And it's actually, you mentioned the spirit, because we know Father, Son is in a stone, Eben. So where is the spirit? Well, there's so many scriptures, especially in Torah, where we see water coming out of rock. The water is the spirit. And it's interesting that water shapes stone. Do you ever go to the Grand Canyon? You know why the Grand Canyon looks the way it looks? Water. It's from the effect of water reshaping 
those, those, those mountains and turning them into the canyons that we see. So water is in the stone also. So the stone is Eben, Father, Son, but there's always water coming out of the stone in Scripture. That's the Spirit, and it reshapes the stone, and that's what makes us living stones, because there's living water within the stones. So I say this as an encouragement to you, wherever you are, however you feel that you're shaped today, you are a living stone building the house of God. And why the building stays together with these stones that are morphing, it's divine. And how living stones that are not like puzzle pieces that are meant to come together, how they interlock is family, is divine work of family. I can't describe it. It's family, and it's divine. Because, you know, we can all kind of fit together, and then all of a sudden some new guy comes in, oh, glory, I love this place, and I'm gifted. They're going to receive me. Let me speak in tongues. And everybody's like, mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, the Mishkan with all the living stones is kind of shaped this way now, you know? And all of a sudden, this guy comes, hallelujah, boom, he tries to enter into the family and he just gets whacked. It's like, whoa, what happened? I am an anointed son of God, boom. Whoa, what, what happened? You know, where, 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 is he, where is he fitting? Why aren't I fitting? Why isn't this family dynamic thing happening for me right now? Let me speak another word. Thus saith the Lord. Now they'll receive me. Doink. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, not everybody looks like. So I'll tell you what would not be a holy thing to do. Let's say some person, a male, a person comes in and they're shaped like this. Okay? We as a congregation, it's not our role to say, okay, let's make a hole, just that shape, so he fits right in. You know why we don't do that? There's no growth with that. And a lot of people at that point will leave. They'll say, I am not received here, off I go. Well, all right, that's fine, Baruch Hashem. But I will tell you this, and this is a, 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 another divine work of family. If these people stick it out, something happens. The living stones start to change. Whether it's from the, the, the trying to fit in and kind of getting hit back, and you start to reshape a little bit that way, but it doesn't even have to be that. It's just from hanging around. There's this divine osmosis kind of thing that happens. Okay, I gotta say it. This got brought up in our new moon uh, service the other week. So I'm gonna bring it up again. It's, it's the same reason why women, when they hang out with each other, will all of a sudden have the same menstrual cycles. Somebody brought that up at the new moon service. We're having this new moon service. I'm talking about all the mysteries of the eighth month of the biblical year. And there was somebody, I don't remember who it was. Somebody raised their hands and I have a question. I said, what? He said, Jen, they said, why do women's menstrual cycles align when they hang out? And then the conversation just, just kind of went on to this menstrual cycle thing. And, and, and Bob over there is looking at me like, are you going to control the service or what? We are out of control. Because he was the only testosterone that was there at the time, aside from me. I think Paul was there. You left. I'm not sure if you were there at the time. Paul also had testosterone. So, um, but anyway, so it was Emily. It was, and now we're blaming each other. 
anyway, what, what happens is this, this, what, this thing that the Lord put into women where if they're hanging out with each other, all of a sudden their menstrual cycles align. That's kind of what happens in the spirit with the living stones because somebody is shaped like this and all of a sudden somebody shaped like this. You know, all of a sudden just from hanging out, all of a sudden the person with like the, the rough edges that can't kind of find this place, all of a sudden the rough edges start to smooth. And then, like, the area, like, in, even in the Mishkan, all of a sudden will kind of shift and will get a little bit of a, a little, little place. Beautiful. So if you hang out, if you just go through the process of family, yeah. there's yeah. a yeah. unity, a familiar family unity that happens, and it's divine. And all of a sudden, the person who, like, felt kind of out of place because he kind of operated this way, and it seems that we kind of operate this way, and I'm an end times guy, and... Rabbi Brian doesn't understand end times. You know, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I fit in. Oh, just hang out. Stick it out. Because the Lord is growing all of us. And over time, you find that everybody's shaping. And all of a sudden, somebody, if they stick it out with humility, you'll find that all of a sudden, the one person who is kind of a pain in the rump, all of a sudden, is like shaped perfectly. And like clicks right in. And how does that happen? It's divine work of family. And that is what keeps me coming back to you misfits every week. Hallelujah. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Not everybody sticks it out. Not everybody sticks it out. So a lot of people were like me, when I first came here, weren't looking for that. When I accepted the Lord, he shaped me the way I am. I'm not looking to get shaped anymore. <laughs> but when you come into the relationship with father-son, you enter into family, and this dynamic can't be avoided. And it's beautiful. Yes, it is. It's amazing it is. to experience. And it keeps me coming back. And speaking of Bobby, oh, I wish you would speak. Okay, I'm going to go back to some end times. So we were at Sukkot, right? And everybody, I think everybody here knows that we got rained out, right? Yeah. So we had like two and a half days. I know. Ooh. So we had like two and a half days of celebrating, and then all of a sudden, you know, the rains came. And it was like Wednesday morning, and, and, and Paul, you know, texted me at like 6.30, you got to come here, the place is in the shambles. So I go over there, so I go over there, and um, you know, the tarp is blowing off the sukkah, and lifting up the sukkah, because we attached the tarp to the sukkah. So as the incredible wind came, it, it, the, the sukkah almost turned into like a parachute. Like, I could, we could have been, like, down the street. Oh, look, there goes the sukkah. Like, that would have been kind of crazy, but that's almost like what happened. And it was the same thing happening with people's tents because we had the, the tarps, and there was this weird thing with the wind. It was just taking everything up, and the, then the tarp blew off the sukkah, and we were trying to attach it, and it was a mess. And for, for a short period of time, and it's amazing, it didn't take the Lord long to get us out of there. Like, there was, like, a few hours of, of a deluge, and we were done, right? And, you know, he shut us down quick. And interestingly, this happened across Messianic congregations. There was many rabbis I've spoken to since then. Oh, yeah, we got rained out. 
So I don't know what the Lord was doing with that. But um, anyway, so just picture this thing. Paul, me, Sue, Stephanie, we're trying to, trying to hunker down. We're trying to fix this place. We're trying to, to, to dry things off and, and, and secure things and just, just get the campsite ready. And we get to a point where, like, this is not going to work and we have to leave. And I have to go to work work. So like, I, I finally text people, just got to go and just, just dismantle and go. We're going to call it quits and unless the Lord brings us back. We're going. So everybody's just trying to fix this place. Right? And, and when I was there, all of a sudden I heard a sound in the distance. I heard a rumble through all the commotion and the running around frantic. I heard a rumble. I look over. It was Bobby snoring. <laughs> he slept through the whole darn thing. <laughs> and after it was all done, after it was all done, after it was all done, I asked the Lord, why, after all these months of planning, did you rain us out after two days? Why? Why? I don't know why even still, but I'll tell you this, speaking of end times, says the end is going to come like a flood, but those who endure to the end will be saved. Who endured to the end? Bobby. The rabbi. Who are you going to latch on to if tribulation comes? Bobby, the rabbi, left. The elders, left. Bobby, who has been to hell and back more times in his life than anybody should ever have to in a life, endured and slept through the whole damn thing. <laughs> this is why Rabbi Peter always said, when tribulation comes, I'm going to a whorehouse and hanging out with them. Or a crack house and hanging out with them. Because it's the people that have been to hell already will endure. I will leave you with that. Shabbat Shalom.